Hello everyone. Today is the first of our two Make a Difference Sundays. Make a Difference is the missional arm of our church where we want to help people locally, nationally and internationally. And today we're going to be looking at some scripture. We're going to be looking at the feeding of the 5,000, which is a story of multiplication. The word multiply has been a part of our journey throughout the year. And we firmly believe that when we put something in the hands of Jesus and pray, he multiplies it and he can feed many. And that's the story we're looking at. There was a boy that brought a small amount of food, but he brought what he had. And as he gave it to Jesus, Jesus blessed it. And then the disciples distributed that food in order that it not only fed well over 5,000 people, but there were basketfuls left over. And we want to use this story of a principle of what we'd like to see over these two Sundays. Next Sunday, we're going to bring our offerings and our giving. We want to give what we have into the hands of Jesus. We want his blessing upon it. And through our giving next Sunday, we would love the whole thing to multiply. And my belief is we can go beyond anything we have done in the past. God bless you. Thank you for your investment in the life of the church and for your investment in to make a difference. God bless. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? All right. It's good to see you. Well, very warm welcome. Big up to the England fans out there who was watching the rugby yesterday. Yes, yes. Mao is a very happy chap at the back. Well, it's good, great to be in the house of God. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in the presence of God this morning. Can we have a big round of applause for our worship team? Thank you so much. I feel connected. When you lift the name of Jesus Christ up high in your life, things change and your life gets transformed. Well, I'm delighted. I love Make a Difference. Make a Difference is our annual, well, we do Make a Difference projects all year, but it's our annual two weeks where we can share about the stories of what is happening out in the community locally, nationally, and internationally. That is about our partnership here. So it's great to share some of the stories. Today we're looking at local and international, and then next week we've got Patel in the house who are going to be sharing some testimonies. Patel is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre, and their stories will blow your mind. So don't forget, next week is going to be absolutely brilliant. Are we good people? I like some amens. Lara's going to be coming up and speaking on the passage today, which is uh, John 6, verses 1 to 14. So we're going to be dipping in and out of that, but I'll let her read that. So our vision here at Alive Church is very clear. It's knowing. We want everybody to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Our second bit of it is growing. We want everybody to grow in their relationship with God. We believe it's not a static relationship. When you know God and you get your roots down in Him, you grow and there'll be fruit from your life. And as a result of that, we want to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I love it. Acts 1 verses 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the world. I believe as people that we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and then we go out and make a difference. Who's about making a light shine in their community? In your workplace, in your community, with your friends and family. That's what it's all about. To all the ends of the world. 
I love it. We haven't got a small vision here. We've got a massively large vision. Are you with me? Part of our vision statement reads this. The vision of a life is a church readily working in partnership with other churches and ministries for the advancement of God's kingdom. Yes, thank you, Angela. A church with a heart for the poor and the marginalized who are determined to bring transformation to people's lives. You know this gathering is only a small bit of what we do. It's a massively important bit. But our heart is to see transformation in people's lives. I love seeing people who've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And that is our heart. That is what we're here to do. We need an amen in the house for that. We want to be driven to the poor and marginalized because that's what we believe that Jesus did. He was there lighting up people's lives, seeing miracles in people who didn't have anything else. We believe the church is the hope for the world and is the catalyst for individual and personal transformation. It is our aspiration that wherever a live church is present or has an influence, through partnership with a local church, people will be empowered to create a culture that eliminates poverty in all its forms. And people will be championed to create a thriving community inside and outside of the church. Well, isn't that good? You and me play a part in that. We're not called just to sit in our bums week in, week out, getting fed. We are called to put that into action, to get out there and make a difference. And I love looking around at all of your faces, knowing that you are committed to this. We've got pastors at Stagecoach. I love it, Andy FD driving his bus. He's not just driving a bus. He's bringing the light of Jesus Christ. I love it. We've got pastors. John, John Fletcher came up to me the other day, and he goes, um, I said, how's the window cleaning business and maintenance? And he's like, all right, yeah, it's going all right. I said, how many clients have you got? And he goes, oh, I've got about 500. I said, well, that's a bigger church than we've got, isn't it? That's his church. Him sharing the love of Jesus Christ as he's cleaning windows. But it's not that. It's bringing God's life and heart. Cleaning from the outside and cleaning from within side. Over the last year, for our partnerships internationally, nationally, and locally, we have seen great transformation. This Sunday and next, we will tell the stories of this transformation to help us see how we can become part of the unfolding story and how we can empower the people we partner with to become the heroes in their own stories. We're not here just to be the answer. Jesus is the answer. But we're here to create the opportunity and the influence for them to meet Jesus Christ. We will reflect on personal changes we can make in our own thinking and in our actions as we begin to pray and imagine what the places we partner with in could look like as the kingdom of heaven comes, more fully because of the mobilized and generous body of Christ. I love it. Do you want to hear the call for action? Let's go and do it, people. Let's go and do it. That's the call to action. I want to be clear. I would love you to pray and prepare for a great offering next week um, that we will be partnered with others that have, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we multiply to feed and resource a multitude of people. On your chairs, you will see a brochure. This gives you information, more information on everything we do as a church. I love the fact that locally, we've got currently running 12 community projects. Can we have a big shout out for our 12 community projects? Weekly sharing the love of Jesus Christ. We've got safe families, we've got community choirs, we've got footballs. We've, yeah, have a cheer out there. We've got butterflies, we've got caps, we've got the shed, we've got food bank. The list is endless. We do so much in the community and every week is an opportunity for people to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. More than that, we've got 100 projects. 
Because all of you go out and have an influence. You are a project because you are a great product of Jesus Christ to represent him. You know my dream. You know my dream. We've got about 12 projects, 12 to 15 projects. My dream is that we have over 100 projects going out from this church. So if you've got an idea that's going to help people, that's going to transform people's lives, you've got an idea of a project. Yes, I can see you, Caroline Hall, sitting on the back. You've got a lot of projects and a lot of ideas. Bring it. Bring it here. And we want to celebrate you. We want to empower you to be the change and to make a difference. Our heart is to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever hope or imagine. So we've got local projects, 12 projects. We've got national projects, partnering with Patel and other organizations, which you will hear next week. Hundreds of lives being transformed weekly and daily. And internationally, our partnership with Tear Fund. Give me a little wave if you've come across Tear Fund. That'll be a lot of you. We've got a DVD later that we'll give you an update. We've partnered into Cambodia for the last three years. And this year, we've taken on a new project for the next three years into Ethiopia, which is some of the poorest and hardest to reach people in our nation. And we're doing that as a church. You see, we are called to make disciples of all nations. As I said, Acts 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the world. Guys, we want you to be equipped and empowered to go and make a difference wherever you place your foot. I want a big vision for my life, don't you? I don't want to live a small life. I want to live a big life, one that can transform nations upon nations, and I love that. So I'd love to welcome the amazing Lara Reed up, who heads up our Christian Against Poverty. She's going to open the Bible and bring some love and inspiration. So go for it, Lara. And you've got sardines as well. I like that. My iPad's not working properly, so I'm going to be reading from my notes. Um, have we got the verse up on the slide? Um, yeah, my sardines will be going over to Food Bank after this. So I'm just going to read out John 6, 1 to 14. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy the bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is who is come to come into the world. So let me set my timer just so that I keep an eye on things. <laughs> um, so just bear with me while I sort my notes out. So obviously this is a really well-known miracle. And apparently it's the only miracle um, besides Jesus's crucifixion uh, and resurrection that is uh, mentioned in all four Gospels. And to just give a little bit of context, the the barley loaves were actually probably no bigger than a sort of a rivita cracker. That's all I could find in my cupboard. Um, they weren't like big loaves. They were just very small sort of crackers. And the fish were probably more like the size of sardines or anchovies. So two of those and five crackers isn't going to be enough. Now, they didn't count the women and children, so the, f- the 5,000 that's referred to is actually just the men. So in, in reality, there was probably more like ten to 15,000 people to feed. And just to give you an idea of scale, if you've been to the Big Top at the one event, that holds about 3,000. So you're talking feeding, you know, four or five times the Big Top with this kind of much food. So um, in the what we've read there in, in John's Gospel, um, Matthew and, and Mark's Gospel actually tells us that Jesus had gone into the boat um, to a solitary place, and he'd actually gone to just chill out a bit with his disciples and have some rest. Um, but the crowds had, uh, were, knew where he was heading, and they'd run on foot to get there before him. And so it wasn't until he got there and saw all the crowds that he thought, I'm, I'm not really going to get much rest. But it says in, in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark that he had compassion on the crowd. Um, his disciples actually tried to persuade him to turn the crowds away, but Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd and took that opportunity to teach them things and heal the sick. So Jesus was tired and he, he wanted his own rest, but he had compassion and he wanted to meet their physical needs of hunger. But more than that, Jesus wanted to... Um, he recognized their spiritual hunger as well and saw this as an opportunity to, um, to, to show his power and in the provision, the timing of his provision for their, their um, physical needs um, would be a sign to them of who he actually was. Um, and this kind of reminds me of the kind of situations that I come across through the work with Christians Against Poverty that me and the team do. And we very often find ourselves in situations where we're facing people's physical needs um, as well as their spiritual needs. But quite often until some of their really basic physical uh, needs are met, they're not able to even consider, you know, hearing the gospel or or anything further. So what we what we try to do with, with CAP is meet some of the practical um, basic needs they have. Um, Now, I did speak in August, and some of you may have heard that, but I'm just going to kind of recap on some of the situations that we find ourselves in. But I think the example that Jesus gives here in that he he showed his compassion to the crowd is actually a good example for us to be aware of opportunities that God presents us with um, and to, um, to react on them and not to just escape the crowds or escape the needs that that are faced before us. So many of the clients that I've come into contact with have got some form of mental health issues. I've met women who've suffered um, domestic abuse. 
single moms who regularly skip meals in order to feed their children. Um, we've met clients with no carpets or soft furnishings, um, some without even a chair to sit on. A front room with no chairs, a sofa, and people who never open the curtains, who hide away from the world outside. Um, clients whose lives have been affected by drug or alcohol use. Um, a lot of clients have no, no Wi-Fi or no TV, no credit on the phone, no gas or electricity. Um, and we've been able to come into those situations. We always try to check if they're okay for food. Um, obviously, we've distributed lots and lots of food parcels, not just through food bank, but from the generosity of the people within this church to give food or money um, for emergency food parcels. Um, we've also had to top up people's gas and electricity because if they're sat in their, their flat or their house and they're absolutely freezing cold, really nothing we're going to say to them, uh, freezing cold with an empty tummy is really going to go in. Um, a lot of the clients don't answer the door or the phone. They don't open post. They have a lot of feelings of hopelessness and failure. Um, but we've seen numerous answers to prayer through the work of CAP. Miracles, in fact. We have brought hope and practical help into the most desperate situations. We've helped people avoid eviction, have supported them in court. We've shown love and not judgment. And we've celebrated when clients have gone debt-free. But most importantly, we've been able to share the love of Jesus with them. And we've seen some clients come to know and accept Jesus into their lives. So just going back to the scripture, I think it's really interesting that Jesus asks Philip, where shall we buy the bread for these people to eat? And the scripture actually says that Jesus only asks this to test him. Um, for Jesus knew what he was going to do. Andrew, uh, he states the obvious, that the boys' bread and fishes are totally insufficient for the, for the uh, needs of the crowd. So both Philip and Andrew were very limited in their thinking. And it's quite reassuring to know that even the disciples that are sort of sat there with Jesus are uh, limited in their thinking because I think we all fall into that trap and we try to look at our own uh, resources and skills and think that we, well, are just overwhelmed by it. And, and I know with CAP, I go into situations where I just feel like, ah, totally inadequate, um, that my resources are insufficient, my time, the, the money or resources that are needed to meet needs, um, it's just impossible and I, I, I fall into the trap of trying to do it in, in my own strength instead of going to him. And I think this is a, a good reminder of that. Um, but just a, a little story is that we, we had a client recently who was heavily pregnant and had no baby, um, baby preparation at all. And so me and the befriender sort of said we'd try and look out for some baby items. And within a couple of days... I was driving out my village and on the side of the road there was a, a high chair in extremely good condition from some grandparents who'd had not very regular visits from their child, otherwise it would be splattered with food. But it, and it just had a big sign free, so I, I sort of slammed my brakes on <laughs> and, and, and picked it up. And God provides in the most uh, you know, unusual ways, but if you go to him with a need, um, you know, it, he will, he knows all our needs. Um, 
So uh, the other the other point I want to kind of focus in on is is that of the boy, which I think is often overlooked uh, when we talk about this miracle. We we neglect the character of the boy so much so that he's not actually mentioned in the other three gospels. It's only John's gospel that actually mentions that the bread and, and the fish uh, comes from this little boy. Uh, we know that he was probably poor because of the type of bread barley was. Um, the grain of the poorer people of, at that time. Um, so, but one boy in the crowd with a little fish and bread was chosen by God to play a significant role, not only for that day, but for the rest of history. I mean, we're still talking about this little boy today. Um, what if the boy had said no to Andrew? Or what if his parents had stepped in and said, no, don't give that food away. Well, that's ours. But it didn't happen that way. The boy gave up his food and Jesus did what only Jesus could do, something miraculous. But it was the boy's contribution that was seemingly necessary for that miracle. Um, and Jesus had asked, what do we have? Jesus wanted a contribution for him to perform the miracle. The contents of this little boy's basket were used by Jesus himself to make a statement about his identity so not only did it reveal his supernatural power to the crowds in the uh, multiplication of the food, but Jesus also taught them, um, it, there was a double meaning here, that, that he is the very bread of life. Um, later in John's chapter, it goes on to talk more about that, which we're not going into today. But Jesus clearly demonstrated that he's not just providing bread for, for hungry tummies. He is the bread of life. The other thing I, I love about this story is that the boy never received the glory. Like I said, he wasn't even mentioned in the other Gospels. He seemingly didn't receive any recognition or thanks. And so it should be with us. Matthew 6 verse 2 says, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. The boy didn't have a lot to give, but he gave what he had to Jesus. And we must never think that we haven't got a lot to give, or that, that we've got is insufficient. Um, God wants us to bring what we have to him. And the size, the quantity or quality of our offering doesn't really matter when you're placing it in the hands of the king. It's not what you bring, it's who you're bringing it to. And it's, it's your heart of compassion to serve God and to accomplish his purposes on this earth. So whether it's your time, your material items or money, skills, abilities, kindness and compassion, it can all be multiplied for the glory of God. So through my work with CAP, I've seen over and over again how God uses what little we have to display his goodness, his provision, his power, his grace, his compassion, his forgiveness and his peace. I've lost count of the number of food parcels the team have brought to those in need. Sometimes it's just grabbing a few basic items from the cupboard before setting off on a camp visit. But we have witnessed how these humble gestures can show God's love for the recipient. 
and many members of this church, and I'm very grateful for this, continue to give of their time and money and skills in serving people, offering emotional support, practical help, cleaning for clients, supplying household items. We've seen over and over how these acts of kindness impact those in need. In need. We were once asked, why are you so nice? And we were able to share about the love of God working through us. People who don't know God begin to acknowledge that their lives are changing and that our prayers are helping them. Every time we give and we serve, God is glorified. So God is calling us all to be generous with everything we have. He uses our humble offerings to accomplish his mission here on earth to make a difference. Thank you. Come on, let's give it up for Laura. That was fantastic. Cap do a phenomenal work. And Lara's pretty much hasn't totally given us the full picture, but she is impacting hundreds of lives. And we thank you for you befriending and giving into it. To run a Cap Centre here at Highcombe costs us around about £300 a month. So we would love, that's where some of your investment is going. If we pick up the story later, I love the fact that Jesus, he could have done the miracle, and he did do the miracle when the bread was presented, but he also said to the disciples, you feed them. And I believe that God is saying to us today, what are you doing? Are you taking responsibility? And I love this church, that people have come to us with ideas, and we've gone, great, you go and do it. You're it. And on that note, I'd love to invite the wonderful John Fletcher up here who is heads up our Shed Project, and he's going to give us a minute on his heartbeat and uh, maybe a story from what's happening at the Shed. Hello, John. Right. Um, we've been going oh, about five, four or five months now at the Shed, and we've seen quite a lot of people come through the doors. Um, it's been amazing for me as something I thought about last year to actually see it in the flesh now. Um one guy, I mean, I won't mention any names because obviously they, they may not want their story to be told with their names about, but there was a guy that we we got in contact with that was going through a really rough, rough patch and he didn't see any way. His friends had abandoned him. He'd lost his job. He'd lost his wife, his house. Um, his life was in turmoil. And we just gave him a little light, a little little window that he could see into and he reached out to us came down had a really good chat let everything off his you know every every burden he had he just let go of and he said that he felt so much better for it messaged me afterwards said it amazing you guys have literally given me a new lease of life you gave me purpose to get out of the house and and do something it's not a lot we only meet once a month i wish it was more but finances are the key and making the difference, you know, you contribute to everything we do as a church. So give everything you can. You know, we we are all on donations and things like that. We try to get it get it more we will, and I'm hoping we will. If we had our building, we'd be doing it every week. Um but a little bit off topic on things that have been mentioned today is about standing in, in the shadow of God, um, which for me brings the shed into it, is a lot of people are in a dark place. If you turn to the light, which is the, which is the Lord, 
you're not in the darkness. It's behind you. But sometimes you do have to face that darkness. But you've got the light on your back. Now, you're not going to get anybody better that's got your back than him. So don't worry about if you're in a dark place. Because God has got your back. And you won't be there forever. So that's what the shed and the guys on the team we're all here to do is not let them people stay in that dark place for too long. So, yeah, we're loving it. Brilliant. You're doing a phenomenal job. And the week we started, the week we launched a shed, unfortunately, two people committed suicide on our watch in this area. We don't want that to happen. We're creating a space for guys to connect so that that does not happen. That's our mission. So thank you, John, for your testimony. The wonderful Lynn Arrowsmith, why don't you come and join us? Give Lynn a big shout-out, round of applause. We love you, Lynn. You have taken total responsibility. Come and join us up here. Give us a quick update and highlight from Butterflies because our funding goes into helping Butterflies. Um, right, in April this year, we um, opened to Butterflies in Bracebridge Heath, which is once a month, and that's going really, really well. Uh, also in April, we went to Withan St. Hughes, um, joined with Tea Together uh, um, to do a Butterflies there. We've been doing that for the last six months. Um, yeah. And then we've... Um, We do um, five butterfly sessions a month, serving on average 164 women with tea and cake. So that's a lot of tea and a lot of cake. So over the past 12 months, we've had 155 new ladies come across over Front Road and Highcombe. Um, we have been... We do quite a lot of fun things. We've had a, a Hawaiian party and all the ladies get together. Um, we've had a lot of people that were the same, I suppose, as John has just said. We have a lot of uh, mental health issues that come to Butterflies. Uh, a lot of them said that it's, they've gained confidence by coming to Butterflies. Um, and lots of great things have happened there. So, yeah. Lynn, you are a modern-day hero of the faith. We love you. Lynn's very understated. She's doing a phenomenal job with the team there. That really is making a difference. And finally, we'd love to invite Maria Wagstaff, who heads up our community choir project. Can we have a round of applause for Maria? Again, this is one of the projects that your funding helps to make a difference in people's lives. Over to you. Our community choir has now been running for just over a year and has been going from strength to strength. Most weeks we have nearly 30 people attend. We have men and women of, with a wide range of ages and abilities. Studies have shown that choirs are one of the most efficient ways of forming social cohesion, that's friendship, and are known to improve mental health. We have a cup of tea and biscuits at the end for a chance to chat and make new friends. Make a Difference helps to support our choir, making it accessible to people on a tight budget giving our community the opportunity to sing <laughs> and have a lot of fun on a Wednesday afternoon. One example of the difference we have made is our friend Trish, who had always said she would never sing in public. She only came along the first week to support her husband Paul and has been coming ever since. <laughs> she was out just last week with three other ladies for coffee and their only connection is the community choir. Um, we have also had people start attending Legacy and church. 
as a direct result of choir, we'd like to thank you for your continued generous spirit. Thank you. Hey, Maria, you're so good. I love it. We will be profiling some more projects next week, but down to your generosity, you are helping lives transformed every week. Thank you. So the final bit is we bring, we bring our best into God, and it's him that multiplies it. We are committed. We have to present Jesus to people, but it's him who transforms lives. But it's down to us to take responsibility. And I want to thank you for everyone who volunteers, who's part of one of our projects that make a difference. And finally, as we do that, it's God that multiplies it. We've got a video, um, as I've said, uh, internationally, we've been helping into Ethiopia. And Sihor's got a, 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 a three-minute three video, which we're going to play now, and then I'll come up and wrap up today. So thank you, team. Through Make a Difference, we are honoured to be partnering with Tear Fund and the local church here in Ethiopia to empower communities to raise themselves out of poverty through self-help groups. The Ethiopian Kale Haywet Church is the largest evangelical denomination here in Ethiopia with over 8,000 local churches with 8 million members. Our vision as EKHC is showing love of God in action for the community. Self-help groups are made up of 15 to 20 members, a weekly meeting. On the meeting, they save money. They have agendas to discuss, especially the social issues, political issues, and uh, especially the challenges they have. They meet in a church, they discuss local issues, but they also save together so that when somebody has a need or someone wants to start a business, they can borrow that money from the group rather than having to go to a local loan shark with extortionate interest. This way, they are empowering themselves and lifting themselves out of poverty. It has been amazing for us to travel and visit some of these self-help groups. We went to Yergalem where we heard firsthand how self-help groups have helped both individuals and communities to transform their lives. My name is Ahai Philippos. I'm married and I have two children. Before I joined the self-help group, when I was giving birth to my first child, I was very sick and I had to stay at Yirgalem Hospital for four days. I could not find money to pay for the hospital, so I suffered a lot. My family had to go and ask for money from the loan shark. After I finished the medical treatment, it was very difficult for us to pay him back with the interest. So we had to sell part of our land to give him back the money. On top of that, we always face the problem on the food nutrition that we take. It was only after I joined the self-help group that I could provide a balanced diet for my children. After I took 200 per loan, I started my butter selling business and got 700 per profit. The second loan was 1,000 per. With the 1,700 per, I bought a cow. I was able to construct an iron-sheeted house and start the process of changing my life. Self-help group has helped me and my family to be independent. I was always expecting someone to come and help me. But now I'm capable of helping others. We have seen holistic transformation through self-help group approach. One is self-confidence. 
personal development. People are able to speak in public, they are confident, they are able to express their views, and they have more skills and knowledge. We have seen also social development. People love each other, they respect each other. There is trust, mutual understanding, respect, taking care of one another. People who had nothing have now something to change their households, to change and to transform also their community. We have seen also spiritual transformation. As a result of self-help group, many people have come to face. They were able to see really Christ through self-help group. Being a member of a self-help group helped me to be spiritually strong. One way is that I can share my love with others. It also gave me an opportunity every week. We get to pray and read the word of God. I want to see my family grow economically, spiritually, and develop socially as well. I also want to be a role model as a member of a self-help group. I want to be a role model for my community. And this is my hope for the future. Not only do people meet in self-help groups, but the self-help groups come together in clusters where they actually identify some of the bigger needs of their communities. One of these clusters has identified the, the thing that they need is good education for their children. And so they've done it. They've built this incredible school to give their own kids the best education. We are organized together with those local churches, more than 17,000 self-help groups. 917 cluster level associations and seven federations in Ethiopia. And we addressed direct beneficiaries of 354,000 uh, people, which is uh, indirectly addresses 1.3 million people. Alive Church, through our partnership with the local church and tier fund, we have a great opportunity to make a difference. So please be encouraged to give generously. Isn't that great stuff, guys? We're not about going in there. We're not about going in there and giving them money. We're about there empowering them to start businesses and to make a difference. That is the way that we want to go forward. So what are we saying? Next week, we've got our offering, our target from this location, which is going to go into local projects, national projects, and international projects, is £25,000. When we're going to break that down next week, and when you look at that with us all giving generously into that, that is so affordable. That is so achievable. So what I'd love you to do is remember in what ways we are partnering with God, prepare and pray for next week, and then come with a generous heart. We're going to be having our offering at the end of the service next week. You can fundraise. You can do an offering. You can bring what is in your hand, but it's about us bringing what we've got in our hand for God to multiply and for many, many lives to be transformed. Who's up for it? So next week, come prepared. Please do take away a brochure. You can email me with any questions, but a lot of the details are in here of what we're doing. Thank you as you prepare. Pray about it. What are you going to be generous with? And we want to thank you for your contribution and your generosity.